One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. We are your hosts, Sean and Tom, and joining us all the way across the internet from the wonderful Trek Central, it is James Amy. How are you, sir? Are you well? I'm very good, thank you very much. Been a busy week of inner fights, but uh, here we are. Excellent, cool. I do hope that you will, with the help of your friends and family, overcome your inner fight, because you're a good person is what you are, with good hair. Oh, you charm you. Tom, you also have amazing hair. It nearly goes without saying, but sometimes something can go without saying long enough that you just don't tell somebody enough. So, Tom, you have lovely hair. That's true. Yeah. Also, I must say, like, I'm feeling a bit left out. I wish you had both given me notice to kind of grow out the beard a bit more, because with me just having this stubbly look and you having these uh, fully fledged Rikers going on... uh, you know, yeah. we do we do have parallels, you know, best of both worlds, universe, Riker and <laughs> standard Riker, but <laughs> hey, I like it. So speaking of inner fights, uh, do, do you want me to do some sort of other because that could be quite a difficult uh, edit point there, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Normally what happens is that the guest and Sean will ramble in and I'll suddenly go, anyway, I suppose we should talk about the episode. So <laughs> that's that's pretty on brand for every podcast experience I've ever had. So, <laughs> yeah, as the producer of the show, I have to uh, pretend that I care. No, I do care. OK, this is enough of this now. Let's talk about the episode. <laughs> We come almost now to the end of season four of Lower Decks. The penultimate episode, The Inner Fight, dropped there on Thursday, and the internet has been awash with comments. Um, And before we get too much into it, James, what did you think of The Inner Fight? So I really loved it, but that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, Those of you that know me know I'm a huge Voyager fan and also know that I'm a huge fan of Robert Duncan McNeil. And as he appeared right at the end of the episode, reprising Tom Locarno. Sorry, sorry, Nick Paris. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. 
I've seen that the reaction to it online has been somewhat mixed, but I thought it hit a really nice balance of tying back to previous episodes, but not in a way that kind of took away from the individual plot. And I have a unique insight into that because I've I watched it with my girlfriend and she hasn't watched TNG yet. And afterwards, she was like, oh, this is was an amazing episode. You know, there wasn't barely any like callbacks or anything that I spotted at all. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> we're going to sit down over the weekend and watch the first duty and lower decks from the next generation. And then you will understand the callbacks. Tom, what did you think? So, yeah, what what what, what did you think? I really liked it. Um, I'm sort of yeah, I both really liked it. And I also have mixed feelings on certain aspects. Which, I, to be honest, I quite like because that makes it an interesting episode to sort of dissect and stuff. So I do really like that about it. I know people have mixed feelings online, but I've not really delved into what those are. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to seeing what people are thinking about certain aspects of this episode because I'm like, are they on the same wavelength as me? Is it something completely different? So, yeah, overall, liked it. Interesting one. Lots to talk about. Um so yeah, I mean, obviously my so the ups and downs drops there on Thursday, and um, I downed uh, a name drop that ha- took place in this episode, and that name drop is Cito Jaxa. Mm, so yes. the reason, uh, so I you know I, I I went into it in the ups and downs, and there's been some really interesting feedback on this as well, um, because. Uh, there, there's been, I think there's been a, a, a disagreement or, you know, pe- people have their feelings on, you know, the purpose of the name drop, right? Um, and I'm deliberately saying name drop as to inclusion of a character. Nick Locarno was an inclusion of a character. Cito Jaxa was a name drop. So throughout season four, and I've been, it's, it's, it's been, it's been quite fun. Actually, there's been a lot of back and forth and online with, uh, with uh, our subscribers and, and people who interact with us about, you know, kind of, you know, you know people like, you know, Sean, you, you don't understand Mariner's journey and you don't understand. And like, that's, that's fine. I, I, I enjoy that. I, I think people, some people, excuse me, some people took umbrage, uh, this week that I specifically called out the inclusion of Cito. And I want to just take a second, I'm not going to belabor a point, but I do want to take a second to explain where we were coming from specifically with this. So the scene in which Cito's name is used is fabulous. Like we gave the scene and up this, the the exchange between Mariner and, the you know, from her perspective, the Klingon she's just met, they're, you know, basically trauma bonding in the fact that they've just given themselves physical trauma and now they're bonding. Um, and, you know, we we get an explanation as to why she has, you know, kind of pushed back so hard against being promoted. If this was season one, I would have had far less of a, of an issue with the the reveal as it was. The reveal, again, specifically being the fact that at the Academy, she modelled herself after Cito Jaxa. Cito, who then went on, you know, with, you know, with the mistakes, with Nova Squadron and everything, and then having to repeat and going on to the Enterprise and being assigned to a mission that got her killed. 
Um, and this was this hugely formative part of Mariner's journey, of Mariner's career, so that when she moved on from the academy, she carried that with her the whole time, and any promotion ever was marred by this experience of Sito's journey. And for such a fundamental piece of backstory, despite everything that we've seen of Mariner from episode one of Lower Decks right the way through to this, and this is where we've been, you know, for the most part, it's been quite pleasant, but where we've been disagreeing, going like, you know, Sean, you don't understand PTSD, and I I, I don't claim to have a, a deep and clear understanding of PTSD. I am by no means far learned enough for that. But what I can tell you is from a writing standpoint, there was nothing before this episode to suggest any relationship between Mariner and if it had been any other name, frankly, if it had been Nick Locarno, and then to include Nick Locarno later on, I might be a bit, bit more forgiving. Cito's storyline is so poignant and so special in the fact it's only in two episodes. And really, it's only in one. I mean, like, yes, of course, Cito is in the first duty, of course. But Cito's story really comes from the episode Lower Decks. And I say this with the greatest respect. People have pointed out, you know, oh, Cito's episode was the Lower Decks, which means, of course, she's tied in. No, the fact that it has the same name does not mean it's tied into this. I, I, I mean, no disrespect in that. But again, from a writing standpoint, the episode's title having the same title does not mean it is tied into Mariner's story. So to include Sito as a formative piece of Mariner's journey and her psyche, I feel does a disservice to the legacy of Sito. The inclusion of Nick Locarno, I feel, is a lot more fun because Nick's story ends with the first duty. He was, you know, he was expelled from the Academy. We can do anything we like with him. You know, that's absolutely... Uh, well, that's true. Yes, sorry. He he went to, he went and did his Erasmus there for seven years. No, 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 he didn't. No, he um just Admiral Paris had a real fascination with him and kept a photo of him on his desk. It was odd. It was it was odd. But hey, listen, yeah, no, who who are you mean? Everyone's family is different. But maybe yeah. maybe Admiral Paris, like the whole Tom Paris Admiral Paris thing, is you know because it was that they were really distant and they'd fallen out and it was actually that the uh oh and paris had gone on to like the starfleet stock photo website and being like that guy looks like my son i'm gonna put this photo on my desk close enough close, close enough. enough yeah <laughs> um i look i i i, re- I respect as well there would there'll be people who listen to this and still be like sean you're talking out of your and that's absolutely fine um, the the one thing I have to say, I've never said this, but I'm not going to say it again. But like, there was quite a lot of abusive uh, responses to this, and folks, I'm not here for that. I I will engage. I am absolutely here. I love talking. I love back and forth. I love that. Um, but being called X, Y, and Z, I I'm not here for that. Um, so that's I don't engage with that. Um, so just. There you go. And, um, and from, right, so that's, from me, so that's from, a, from a different different uh, Trek discussion site, also no. That's just a blanket no. Um, but I will, if I may, counterpoint what you've said in that I have the opposite opinion, in that I think it actually really completes and fulfills Sito's story in a really 
for me, poignant way. Um, and I will admit that this is this has been something that I felt kind of initially after the episode, and it's really kind of grown as I've gone back and gone back to the original TNG Lower Decks, and I've also seen uh, people and fans online discussing it and discussing the oh, the their own parallels that they've found. But there's this particularly uh, on the nose, so to speak, conversation that almost parallels uh, the context of Beckett and Mars. I think it's Mars, Mars, uh, the Klingon guy. It, is it Ma or Mars? Mars. It definitely two syllables. Yeah, Mars. Uh, but anyway, that you know, uh, there's the scene in the original Lower Decks where Sito is with the Cardassian, and the Cardassian is speaking and going, you know. Um, if this helps even one skirmish be avoided, that's worth it. All I want is peace. And I think that it is a really powerful story that Mariner would have only seen what Starfleet released of that, which was that Sito was sent on a mission and died. Mm-hmm. But for Sito's mission to be actually working with her great, with as a Bajoran, their greatest adversary in a mission of peace is fundamentally Starfleet. And I think that there's a real beauty in Ma'ar helping uh, Mariner realize in the conversation in the inner fight that actually Sito sacrificed herself so that people like Mariner could have all of those Starfleet experiences that she had been craving so much, which led to the resolution of the episode where she managed to bring all of these alien races together, which uh, reminded me of the bit on in uh, Q2 where there's the holodeck program and they're all and they have to sort out that trade dispute around the table uh in many ways but yeah i thought it was a really nice kind of callback to that original lower decks but i do agree with you that it feels like it should have been revealed or at the very least hinted at a bit earlier like mariner is a closed book but She's not that much for closed book. It feels like the name Sito Jaxa should have come up before, even if it was like an offhanded comment, like her just being like, oh, well, you know, that's not something that Sito would have done. Um, And and yeah, kind of dropped those breadcrumbs that way. That's literally, I mean, that is one, that's where I'm coming from with it. It's because you are absolutely right. Like, you know, we do, we find out stuff about Mariner along the way, but you know, like, her serving on the keto and she sees her friend being, you know, killed. And then, which was, oh my God, that was a massive traumatic thing, which we learned in, we're going back to nearly season two, if not season one for that one. I mean, and again, it's fine. Not saying we need to know absolutely everything about the character episode one. I'm just, we've had, anyway, look, I've made the point. There we go. So yes, I did. So that's it. So on the breadcrumbs, we're, we're, we're on the same page. I love the idea. I love (laughs) the fact that Cito's legacy helps in you know helps this understanding of peace and that it's a Klingon who is you know he is all about honor it's like you know you dishonor her legacy by you know by throwing away or you know disrespecting what you feel starving I mean love it absolutely love it Tom what do you think now that you've heard all this well I just I want to first say there you go everybody that's how you do it 
that's what this podcast is for. People with slightly different opinions, explaining them to each other and getting more of an understanding. It would be funny if this podcast was someone would give their opinion and everyone else would just hurl abuse at them. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how. After uh, all, the real Beckett is the Mariners we made along the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I have a few things to say. So just to sort of talk about the points you guys both said, um, and 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 Sean, we've sort of discussed this before as well. The difference between not liking something for like writing wise and not liking something for what it is. Like the PTSD stuff side of it, it's not that you don't care about that or that you think that it's done. You know, you, your your problem is just the pacing and writing that that is being depicted by right that's the the issue which i which i do agree with um like you, like you guys said dropping her name here and there throughout having a more of an understanding of a connection because if you know here and there we knew that they sort of knew each other or had some sort of friendship or whatever and then this was revealed it would be like a oh like we i forgot that these these characters knew each other like that makes sense now because that's mm. Like you would piece it together rather than going, oh, okay, I didn't know about that, but I guess that's fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's differences. I just, if people can't understand that, then you know, I can't be bothered to speak to them. <laughs> to be honest, uh, yeah, um, I would say as well that it didn't even need to be name drops. Like, I feel that a lot of people listening to this so far will be like, well, you know, if they'd name dropped her earlier, then that would have given away the whole reveal, and then that would have been a thing, but. There are ways to subtly hint, you know, we uh, spoke about Mariner's like Deep Space Nine related trauma, Dominion War trauma. We've seen that in the show. You know, there could have been just a throwaway line like the person I idolized at the Academy got sent on a random mission the moment they were promoted and died, Um, which wouldn't have given away. But when it came up in this episode, everyone would have been like, Oh my god, remember when you mentioned that person that died? That was Sito. Yeah. That makes so much sense now. Yeah. It, it feels like, and it could, you know, we're just speculating here. It feels almost like that they've created this thing for the character. And it wasn't until now when they went, okay, we need a reason why she's like this. And then they this is the, this is what they came up with. And it tied, you know, nicely of other things they were doing with this season, uh, which kind of sucks. Like it, it it's a thing that a lot of writers do and like it's easy to get into that because you know you make your things first and you try and piece the like put the pieces together later on which is fine but just when it's so obvious when it comes across like that it's a bit like oh and again they might have had this plan for ages but if that was the case i wish they displayed it differently but i think i have a slightly different opinion to to both of you on that sort of bit so one didn't even realize who they were talking about I haven't thought about the name Cito Jackson for a long time. Didn't piece that together at all. So this is the first time I knew about it. <laughs> you see, now I'm just picturing you sitting in a real noir type bar, slamming a tequila going, Cito Jackson. That's not a name I've heard in a <laughs> yeah. long time. <laughs> so honestly, I thought it was just, oh, this is my friend that this happened to. I didn't piece those things together. Um, but I, I actually don't like that they went with that direction for this. Just because I feel like we've seen it a lot already, we've we've you know we've sort of had it with Wesley, we've had it with Shaw, we've had it with Cisco, you know. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like Starfleet, or I have certain beef of Starfleet or people in Starfleet because this thing happened to my friend. 
when they were killed. And it's like, if this keeps happening, why are you in Starfleet? <laughs> like this, this is kind of what happens. Like you might get killed, and and I, I you know, all those people that they've done it with, I think, are interesting and sort of different variations of that. But just when it was this again, I was like, no, oh, as a bit of a letdown because. I just we've seen it before, so I was kind of like, okay, fine. And because I didn't realize it was Cedar Jackson, I just kind of stopped listening. I also think as well that if, like, because you had more or less the exact same reaction as my girlfriend, it was the case of this is a really like emotional moment, but I don't know who this person is. Yeah, you didn't get it. I'm thinking about it now, and I do think that this has been the plan for Marita's. I do think this has been the plan for Merida's backstory since pretty much day one. I feel like that's probably why, where the kind of inspiration for Lower Decks is the title of the show, the whole glorifying of the Lower Decks came from. It felt very much like it was grounded in the episode Lower Decks and that there was going to be some sort of connection at some point that came out uh, as a link between the episode and the show. Uh, So I do think this has been kind of planned since very early on. But yeah, I think that there was probably room for after Mariner has this emotional moment to have some sort of exposition about Sito, I guess, even if it was like an Academy flashback, you know, or they could have done like one of those classic fun things where they like stole entire shots from like the first duty and just animated them and then just had Mariner, a younger Mariner just yeah. in the background. Yeah. And like the camera just zooms in onto her as Nick Locarno is getting escorted off the Academy grounds or whatever. You know what I'd uh, love? I'd, I'd love, like, you, you know what you see it a lot in, um, I suppose high school dramas is that, you know, there's the picture, there's Martin in the background with the big braces that go over the head and, yes. and you know, uh, and, and the, the pinned back hair and everything, you know, kind of, of, of course, and I speak as somebody with a smile of a shark. I need braces badly. I'm not insulting braces by any means, but it's that trope, isn't it? Oh, just like it's, the, it's the ugly Betty trope. It's yeah, the yeah, glasses like, oh, and then they the take braces, off the glasses. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, you were beautiful the whole time. <laughs> uh, and you have to think to yourself, how bad were those glasses? Um, <laughs> um, sorry, there was a whole other episode. Uh, yes. You know, like you yeah. know, it was a lot of. It was. I do like that we've now got at least what seems like the beginning of a resolution of you know what's going on. We still don't really know. Okay, we we know who. We don't know why. Um, there's a hint because the 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 characters stranded on the planet say you know someone fed lies to my junior officers who then mutinied against me obviously we'll see what goes on with that the bird of prey that destroys the shuttle has the same logo that Lucarno well it's spoiler I guess Lucarno's wearing on his jacket the nova squadron the the colvord starburst um which is like okay so they're all in it together uh, also how that Klingon's entrance to that bridge, I have to say, that's got to be up there with, you know, you know, you wouldn't call it the greatest engage moments, but like taking command moments. There we go. I mean, like even the Klingon officers looked at each other and went, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I also like that they've, you know, stolen a bird of prey. It's 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 always nice to see Starfleet flying one of those again. Oh, yeah, like Klingon security is just terrible. Like Starfleet security, not great, but Klingons, how many bird of prey have they lost at this point? Like there's even a bird of prey, as we see in Picard, in the Starfleet Museum. Like I, I do question like the amount of 
diplomatic aggro that must have given Worf at some point with like some random faction of Klingons being like, oh yeah, that belonged to my great grandfather. And so we want that bird of prey back. And him being like, it saved Earth. So I can't really get it from the Federation at this point. I also love the fact that, you know, kind of this is totally off topic, but I love the fact that they've got Kronos 1 is parked at the Starfleet Fleet Museum. That's like, you know, Air Force One being displayed in Moscow. You know, it's just like, (laughs) all right, I love seeing it. Don't get me wrong. They see now my headcanon is like, they've stolen this bird of prey. And then they were like, actually, um, we never did did find the HMS Bounty. Let's just tell people we did. Yeah, that's definitely the HMS Bounty there. Yep. Yep. Look at it. There you go. I, I, ju- I just have this like mental image that after the Praxis incident, there was somebody at Starfleet that was just like, I want a full set of Klingon ships. Like us, like us ship collectors with Eagle Moss, except with the real Klingon ships. Just like, we've got the bounty. Now I need the full thing. Right. We're going to go get ourselves a. Is it? It is a Katinga, Quonus one, isn't it? It's a Katinga, not a D7. Yes. Yeah. Tom, um, it, it is, isn't it? Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, I definitely didn't zone out with all this boring nerd talk. No. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Tom keeps us balanced, and that's what we need. That's what we need. Um, also, Fre- uh, Freeman, Rutherford, and Shax were in this episode. So, yes. uh, yeah. So, so if I if I may go briefly on a tirade, I think that the Freeman, Shax, Rutherford plotline was not good. Uh, and I think that was purely because it felt like Rutherford was there purely so we would have an excuse to focus on that plot. He didn't contribute to it. He didn't really do anything there. It was entirely about the Freeman power play. I feel like Rutherford, they should have just stuck him on the planet with the other lower deckers or had him on the Cerritos trying to reestablish contact with them. But he just didn't contribute to that planet side plot a thing that lower decks does which is both good but also can be bad and i think this is one of the times when it didn't really work was that it does the sitcom thing of oh the audience thinks this is what's happening but then actually everybody these characters knew what was going on the whole time and it was a switcheroo and they do that a lot in lower decks where you know People are uh, misinterpret what's happening, or or certain characters are lying, and and then at, at the end, oh, I actually knew this was was happening all the time. Blah, blah. And it's a very sitcom thing to do. And it, for a show like this, like sometimes it works, uh, especially when it's funny. Other times, it's like, oh, so all of that was kind of pointless because <laughs> it's like I don't know. I feel like just my time was wasted. Again, I really like this episode, but there's just certain things in it that was like that. That was kind of strange. I also, so I, I liked the pacing of this episode. A lot of stuff was sort of felt like it was happening. Um, and I did enjoy that. But I don't know if anyone's mentioned this. This episode was Star Wars. And first it was like all the different planets. And then it was yeah. the, the sand planet with all the bounty hunters and stuff. I was like, okay, this feels really Star Wars. Even the music, like the, the so much of the music, I was like, this is really Star Wars-y. And then there's the bit at the end where they blow up the satellite thing in the in the yeah, forest it's the, it's the end door yeah um, and i was like oh face. they're doing star wars 
is that is that this episode? Are they just they're like, oh, let's just do a Star Wars episode? I was really confused by that. The bartender in Muds, I think it's Muds, is also one of the bartenders from A New Hope in the Moss Eisley Cantina, I believe, yeah. as well. Like, it's very clear that there's a lot of Star Wars lore dropped in this. Um yeah, so be interesting to see whether that's purely just referential or whether that's going to be part of a bigger thing. I don't know. Maybe yeah. the pack leads have a death melon on the way or something. I'm not sure. Uh, well, apparently we could spend hours discussing this episode. I agree, <laughs> yeah. by the way. I, I think um, I, I dug it. I dug it, like how how hard they went for the... I see that, yeah, again, we, we, we are on Tatooine at this yeah, point. Yeah. Like, you know, well, like, and, and Endor, you know, it's like, Grand and I, I feel it must have been deliberate. Yeah, know, just when they, I, I wish I was there when they were coming up with this idea. I just want to know the, the, the you know the origins of how they decided to do just a Star Wars episode. Like I just find that really interesting. So I'm really hoping that like the writers would ever talk about it at some point because I, I really want to know. Mike McMahon is just like you're all wrong. It yeah, wasn't yeah. Star. You're all terribly wrong. <laughs> um, but uh right okay let's i think yeah shall we go to scoring the episode i mean i think it's one definitely one of the better for me at least uh lower decks penultimate episodes um as said i wasn't so much of a fan of the freeman b plot uh but i would put it probably at a 7 if it hadn't been for robbie duncan mcneil but as he's in it that edges it up to an 8 Okay, okay. So uh, we'll say a soft eight. Soft eight. Soft eight. Tom. Yeah, similar, um, but slightly lower. Surprise, surprise. Um, (laughs) I'm going to give it a strong seven. Um, Few things I was unsure of, but lots of stuff that I enjoyed. And yeah, the bits I did enjoy probably bumped up to like a a strong seven rather than like a soft seven kind of thing. Um, But yeah, strong seven, good time. And and I'm I'm looking forward to the last episode. I think they can they could either really put it off or sort of drop the ball. So that would be interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd love it. I mean, it was completely one hundred percent ten for me. Um, like absolutely. <laughs> no, um, I think it was a strong six for me. Um, really enjoyed it for all the reasons I've discussed. Didn't enjoy the bits that you know everything. Um, but yeah. I was, but I agree with you. So I think it was a good penultimate episode. I, I am looking forward to seeing where they go with this. Okay, so my theory, and this is my completely like insane theory, is that Locarno has been getting together all of these lower deckers and ships because he wants to uh, do the Corvord Starburst without killing anyone this time, and that's why this entire like quadrant wide plot has been happening is because he's had this itch in the back of his brain since the 2360s about this maneuver that he's like I know that it's just because that one pilot f***ed up and if not it would have been fine but I need to prove myself so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hijack I'm going to you know get a load of sympathetic lower deckers together with their ships and we're going to do it because now I love, like, what would a Ferengi contribution to the Starburst look like? You know, or, you know, and also why? Like, where's the profit in it? Uh, uh, but no, but I'm not disagreeing. I'm I'm loving this as well, because like, and again, I need to see that vertical Romulan warbird. 
do mm. or do because of course the whole thing is like based on how close can the ships get to each other yeah yeah you know and like with the- them all being different shapes instead of just the academy flight craft it'd be very interesting but it feels like the sort of like one up prove myself move that Locarno would go for okay so um shall we discuss some news hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For over two centuries, you're listening to the Federation News Network. Uh, the news for this week has been that four plucky individuals were spotted in a football audience in America in Lower Decks uniform. Whether these are genuine time travelers or just people in cosplay, we're not sure at this time. But either way, a big, big shout out to them. Um, really, really set the Trek fandom uh, on social media alight with uh their antics so shout out to them especially the person who wore the vulcan ears excellent commitment to the part i think i would be super nervous and intimidated to go to a sports event in general so dressed up in in star trek gear i'm i'm uh, very impressed by it like and as well you can like those that know me and well I'm literally wearing a Starfleet uniform right now. These are not the most breathable garments that have ever been made. Uh, In fact, they're pretty much the opposite. If you've ever been to a convention in a uniform, you will know. uh, Not great for breathability. You get very hot very quickly. And yeah, in this image, you can see people behind them in shorts. So that's just a whole other level of commitment that this is clearly on a pretty hot day. And they're in these full lower decks, long 
sleeve tops, although I can now see one of the guys has his sleeves rolled up in a Marilyn-like fashion. But, hey, it works for lower decks, the yeah. sleeve rolling up. Um, or if you're Cole Meany, he also rocks the sle- sleeves rolled up look. Yeah. Uh, anything else happening at the moment? Uh, not a huge amount. There's been the Tomy Enterprise reaching uh, people this past couple of weeks. So for those that don't know, uh, last year, Tomy, a bit like Hasbro ha- uh, has been doing the past few years, did basically a, a not crowdfunded, but also crowdfunded product line, uh, which was this uh, 1 to 350 scale die cast replica of the uss enterprise which is really really cool like it's got light up features you can open the shuttle bay and it even has little mini shuttles inside you can see inside the uh bridge uh skylight moonlight window um into the actual bridge uh but these have been getting to people over the past few weeks and there have been a number of complaints which on one hand fair enough the initial advertised product images didn't have some of these flaws that people have been noticing but on the other hand you are getting a full light and sound die cast replica uh that's one to 350 scale of an enterprise for 600 dollars. which for anybody in the know or for anybody that's ever uh collected anything die cast that's very, very cheap at that price point. So Tony's done a really good job to actually hit that. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was revealed that they had actually made a loss on this thing, um, yeah. which is why we probably won't see an Enterprise A, a Voyager, an Enterprise D, or a Defiant, or anything else. Yeah, especially if people are like nitpicking it, it's going to make it even less sellable, I suppose. So that's kind of a shame. Yeah, it is. Now, Sort of work that goes into that sort of thing. Yeah. And like with all of these things, you have to make compromises. And I'm sure that anybody with a bit of kind of modeling skill would be able to patch up the flaws that they can see. But also they did make some really bizarre decisions. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. For some reason, they decided that it needed to be a priority that, and this is a replica of the original series Enterprise. Um, but for some reason they had it as a priority that this needed to be able to source and separate. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's I, saw like... pro- I saw the promo pic of that and I remember going like, I mean, yeah, I read the fact files. I know that it could do that. Obviously yeah. we never saw it on screen, but it was like not famous for doing it though, really. Not it? really. No. <laughs> Wouldn't be the so first that's... enterprise you think of when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah. And even the enterprise that you would think of when it comes to that only did it like four different times it you know it's not the sort of thing that unless it's very easy to do that you would prioritize putting into a model especially an intricate detailed one of that size even if it was the enterprise d i would still be impressed that they made it separate i'd still be like you guys didn't need to do that but that's cool but yeah that's been the other news beyond that i'm i think it's just been quiet we've got the um Picard Legacy Collection hitting store shelves soon, I think both in the UK and the US. I think that's coming out in early November or might even be <laughs> I don't now. think Sean knew this was happening because he's, he's dying around the room of his eyes. Oh no, did I miss an opportunity to spend more money? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, a thing I need to buy? What? What? 
It's fine. It's just it's it's the Picard Legacy Collection, so it includes the remastered TNG. It includes the remastered Next Gen 4K movies, um, except they're on Blu-ray, and it includes Picard seasons one to three. There are a few other little fun bits in there as well. So it has a, a special cover edition of the Wisdom of Picard book, which you may have heard of, you may have seen about. Uh, it has a few deltas, which I think might be fan sets ones, but I'm not entirely sure on that. Uh, then some Chateau Picard coasters and what looks like a really cool uh, Star Trek next gen themed card deck. Um, and at least in the UK, that's going to be coming out on the 20th of November for a hu- £199 and 99 pence. So okay. if you don't have any TNG stuff on physical media, it's a great opportunity. If you do, it's worthless. To be <laughs> fair, that's actually... I, I was expecting that to be a lot more expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, every time that Star Trek pricing comes up, I just get almost Vietnam-esque flashbacks to going through HMV or Virgin Media back in like 2005 and seeing the hard case box sets for 70 quid per season and being like, "Ah, how am I ever going to afford this? (laughs) I think we should probably um, head to Cargo Bay 101. Okay, Cargo Bay 101. James, as I'm sure you're aware, having listened to every previous episode of this podcast, uh, you will know that Cargo Bay 101 is where we invite our guests to take something from all of Star Trek and put it in there and then make the case for blasting it out into space. So, James, Amy, what do you have for us to put in Cargo Bay 101? So I decided for my Cargo Bay 101 jettison into space, um, I was going to go something with the is somewhat topical for this week. And what I would like to put out into space to never be discussed again is the complete urban myth that Tom Paris was created for Voyager because they didn't want to pay royalties to the writer of The First Duty for the character of Nick Locarno. The First Duty was written by Ronald D. Moore, who was a TNG staff writer. They would not have needed to pay him royalties to use Nick Locarno in Voyager. Rick Berman was famously risk-averse and thought that Nick Locarno was irredeemable and that fans would respond badly to a redemption arc in Voyager for him, which is why they created Tom Paris, who is, for all intents and purposes, identical in terms of appearance and backstory, except for the fact that he turned himself in after the accident, as opposed to Locarno, who tried to cover it up. Right, because my first point was going to be, didn't he also, wasn't he also technically responsible for the death of more than one person? If anything, Paris is worse. Uh, but okay, the fact that he turned himself in. Now that's really interesting because we did an article um, a good few months ago now, but it was behind the scenes on Caretaker. And it was, you know, going through the genesis of all of these ideas. And I do remember, I think it was in the initial, initial I suppose, pitch series Bible for Voyager when they were coming up with Tom Paris. It was, quote unquote, a Nick Locarno type. Mm. Uh, that, now, this might be apocryphal so, or something, but so, as, the ti- as time went on, they went, 
just get Robert Duncan McNeil, I think was a note that was written on that piece of paper. If he's free, get him. Yeah, so that's that's true and not true. So how that happened, and this is what I learned from... truth. Uh, <laughs> this is what I learned from Robert Duncan McNeil on the Delta Flyers, was that the casting call for Tom Paris was for a Robert Duncan McNeil type. So they were looking for somebody like Robert Duncan McNeil to pay t- to play Tom Paris. Then they couldn't find anybody they liked, and they were like, well, let's just get Robert Duncan McNeil back in. And he auditioned, he smashed it, he got the role. You, you meant Nick Licata, you said Tom Paris, but we knew what you meant, but just in case listeners are listening. We thank you, thank go. you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been a weekend. No, but thank you very much. Uh, that 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 is quite funny. I love as well that Robert Duncan McNeil smashed his audition to play a Robert Duncan McNeil type. <laughs> I mean, that. you'd be very surprised if he hadn't. But there are plenty of stories of like yeah. celebrities going to lookalike contests for themselves and losing and things like that. So it's that it's that meme, isn't it? Where like someone you know, posts uh, or, you know, re- retweets something of, you know, I think, I think Tom is absolutely gorgeous. And then Tom replies and says, hi, how are you? And they go, "Ooh, no. And Tom goes, I am literally the guy in that. <laughs> yeah. That half is of that story. That's literally me. The other half would never happen. You guys have to figure that out, which way that would be. <laughs> um, so what you're saying is you want to send out into space a whole bunch of articles and videos we have made about this specific fact that is incorrect. Yes, that one. And if you'll allow me to, there's another Voyager-related urban myth, but I will, I won't mention that now, just in case. Uh, I mean, like you've gone this far. Okay, so the other Voyager urban myth uh, that I'd like to blast out into space was that Garrett Wong was about to get fired from Voyager until he won a Sexiest Man award. This is not true. Jennifer Lian was on her way out due to unfortunate mental health issues. Garrett Wong, there was some rumors earlier in the season because he was uh, he was struggling with his own mental health problems and basically um, whispers around the set turned this into he was partying late. So the producers made him go to a stint of rehab, which is why in season three of Voyager, there are three episodes in which Garrett Wong does not appear. Um, but he came back from that absolutely fine, all set, no problems from that point onward. Jennifer Leon was just getting more and more unreliable and inconsistent, which is why they made the decision to cut her and bring in Jerry Ryan. Um, that's actually, yeah, to, to be fair, because I think early doors, um, I definitely am responsible for writing an article where I, you know, put out the exact same. Yes, the two of them, their names were on the block. And then like, and then thanks to things like the Delta Flyers and as well, the Captain's Chair, which is a very good documentary that, uh, God, I say that now, I'm pretty sure Amazon carried it at least here. Uh, and it went into a little bit more detail on that. Um, and it is, and it, it, it's a good example of how these things, you know, sort of take wing, you know, you know, a story gets, you know, you know, repeated by someone, and then you know, you know, you know that you know that Chinese whispers where you say this, and it becomes this, and it becomes this, and it becomes mm-hmm. this. Um, and I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll chuck them. 
because because it's patently not true. So I kind of can't disagree (laughs) with you there. (laughs) You know, actually, no, no, we keep it. We have decided we prefer this version of the story. Look, Um, those articles just bring us too much ad revenue. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, somewhere, somewhere. Chris is pulling his hair out. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Chris. You're going to probably have to watch this back later. But if I ruined your day, I'm sorry. It's okay. He's already cancelled us. <laughs> Tom, what do you reckon? I want to say no because I think it'd be funny. But I also <laughs> I want to go have dinner. So let's say yes and get rid of it. <laughs> I believe that was also one of the uh, one of the ways that Garrett Wong's career was saved. Rick Berman was like, I could fire you, but I'm actually quite hungry. Just come <laughs> yeah. back next season. Uh, you know what? Just yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's grand, it's cool. Just species eight four seven two, and it'll be fine. Uh all right, cool. Well I you can actually watched... see in Scorpion this seeping into the writing when the image is like it's eating him alive. That was just Rick Berman's stomach. In the writer's <laughs> room. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, there was no CGI in that scene whatsoever. Um, right, I think for safety's sake, I'm going to slam my hand on this panel and blast those things out into space. Goodbye, never to be seen again. And now we go to our final bit of the podcast, which is our hashtag ask Trek culture. So, Tom, who do you have for us and what are they asking? I've had this question stored for a while, waiting for a good time to ask it. And I feel like this is a good episode to ask. Uh, this is from they've 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 done it before. And I never know how to say their name at air to Nilfheim, Nilfheim. at Trek culture. What was your first piece of Star Trek literature? Mine was the technical manual for the NCC 1701D, uh, 1701D. I said that in a very strange way, uh, which my parents used to teach me how to read. That's cool. They used that to <laughs> learn how to read. Um, yeah. So what was your first piece of uh, Star Trek literature? Um, I know well, my, I have an easy answer. Um, I used to get the Star Trek Monthly when I was a kid, and they used to run some of the comic strips that they would do uh, an issue per month. So I remember a few of them, but the, the, I think the one I specifically remember is like a sequel to the episode Schisms, where the USS Hornet was captained by Captain uh, Hegler, whose brother had been one of the unfortunates who was like, right, we need a red shirt in the episode Schisms. As so they did a whole spin-off story and, you know, the aliens come back. And I remember that vividly because uh, even in comic books, they are bloody terrifying. Um, what about you, James? I'm trying to think, like, are we talking things that are strictly books or are we talking anything which has words on it? I guess anything that has words. Fortune cookies, fine. Because <laughs> if it's just words, uh, it would probably be the VHS insert on uh, Caretaker. So inside of the Caretaker thing, there was this insert which was all, you know, blurbs about the characters and all of this sort of thing um very very kind of high level vague overviews uh, and then in terms of actual books i'm trying to think and the earliest like book memories i have would probably be the 
Voyager novel Echoes, which is like the 15th one. I can't remember with if it was my first book, but I definitely remember the cover of it very clearly from my childhood. Okay, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Did you what was yours, Tom? You didn't ask me, but I also didn't Sorry, have yeah, okay, right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so Tom, what was yours? <laughs> Uh, nothing. I've never read one <laughs> before. <laughs> I've sort of We're flipped... still teaching Tom to read. It's yeah, I'm like... still figuring that stuff out. Um, no, I, I flipped through various like manuals and books and stuff that I've seen here and there. A lot of like charity bookshops and stuff always have like Star Trek books. So I tend to pick them up and go, oh, this is cool. Look for it and put it back down. But I've never like actually bought one and read through it, which I think I will do one day. I do have a, um, Big Lebowski uh, book all about P- uh, the Big Lebowski's influence on on people and the religion that has been made around it. So if that counts, as I know it has nothing to do with it. but It absolutely <laughs> counts. I'm saying it right now. That is, <laughs> okay. that is it, it, you know, is that not the greatest piece of Star Trek literature ever? <laughs> yeah, it's the closest uh, thing but, I have. Yeah, I love it. I think maybe on that, for safety's sake, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, so thank you. Thank you both so much, James. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, anytime, where anytime. can everyone find and stalk you online? Well, on most things, uh, I'm at James Amy. Uh, so that's Instagram. That's Blue Sky. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm at James Amy UK. So a very slight distinction there uh, because the at James Amy handle was taken by somebody who has since been banned, but I can't get it for some reason. So there we go. We can, of course, be found at Sean Farrick and at Tom C. Finn or at Tom Roberts Finn on the various socials. We are at Trek Culture on Twitter and Blue Sky. We're at Trek Culture YT over on Instagram. Uh, we do have a TikTok, which actually I believe has content on it now, which is yeah. a nice development. Uh, so please make sure you're following on all of the various socials. Uh, you are wonderful and awesome and brilliant. We will see you soon. Make sure that you live long and prosper. Make sure that you look after yourself and make sure that you are... Actually, I'm just going to double down on Make sure you're looking after yourself. Um, it's an interesting time to be alive at the moment. So if you need help, make sure that you reach out and get it and know that you will always have a safe space here. Thanks very much, folks. Yep. We will talk to you soon. Live long and prosper, everybody. And make sure you eat dinner before you do a podcast. Make it so. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.